Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Go Peppy Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Friday, September 10th, 2021. I'm Carter Laren. You are watching Go Peppy Break, as I said, which is a live show we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. here on Unsafe Space, um, 11 a.m. Pacific. And I am more often than not joined by, sometimes she's without me, uh, Carrie Smith, who is right here. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carter. Hello. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, let's do some housekeeping <sighs> before we introduce our guest. Uh, yes. <laughs> Book club. Book I mean, club? let's get peppy. No, I'm kidding. Today's just gonna, <laughs> just bear with us audience. I know a lot of you are feeling a little, uh, just people I've talked to a little down and, uh, you're not alone. I'm the down one. Carter's the peppy one today. And, uh, Let's, what anyway. do you mean today? I'm always. Uh, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, book clubs coming up. They're gonna up. start calling me Pollyanna Carter. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, book clubs coming up. It is always free to join and participate. We are. We usually alternate between fiction and nonfiction. This month we're doing fiction. We're doing Neuromancer. I think this is one of your choices. It's actually uh, Comics Division's choice. Oh. Um, oh. Okay. Cool. Uh, I know nothing about the genre, but from what I can gather, because I've started to read the book, it seems like it's the uh, seminal work in the genre of cyberpunk, which I didn't even really know was a genre. Um, but I'm seeing lots of things that I'm like, oh, this is clearly referenced in Ready Player One, which I've read. And oh, this is clearly mm-hmm. referenced in uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which is a game I'm sucking at. But whatever. So like, it's it's clearly had an impact in the culture. And so I'm enjoying it so far. If you haven't started reading it, you have until September 19th to finish it. So, And you can go to unsafespace.backslash uh, book club to find out more info. Yes. And the next book after that, if you want to get a start, is Texit by Daniel Miller, which is obviously nonfiction. Uh, well, actually, Texit sounds like it's fiction, but we're going to make it nonfiction uh, <laughs> in the future. <laughs> and let's see what else do we have. We have a, our Twitter is. Oh, well, there's a ghost of our Twitter account at un, uh, underscore unsafespace.com, so you, or unsafespace, I mean. So you can go check that out. Uh, and as always, if you want to support us, please go to unsafespace.com slash support. Um, or just the main page. Actually, now, since we are sometimes banned on YouTube and broadcasting from various channels and in various places, we are always at unsafespace.com. We embed the live show there, chats there. So if you're at unsafespace.com right now, your experience is the same as if you're sitting on YouTube. Um, and obviously you can go to, uh, to Odyssey and I think that's the last thing. I think we can introduce our guest. Oh, don't forget to vaccinate the subscribe button. Oh, um, forcibly. Give, give it its forcible vaccination because it needs to be vaccinated. Okay. With that, um, I, this is just some bitch I know. Uh, you could also this, call her L. The swear jar is um, going to be full today. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed L. to swear today. Uh, I would like to introduce some bitch I know. Uh, she is, you can also call her Elle if you don't want to contribute to the swear jar. Um, she's an independent researcher who's been keeping close tabs on the government's COVID response. Um, she also was was heavily involved in the uh, election stuff um, back in the, the election debacle back in the late, late 2019, early 2020. You can follow her on Gab at some bitch I know or on Twitter, which I think is her like seventh incarnation on Twitter. They keep banning her, uh, where she's G-Wiz, here we go. Or online, you can go to somebitchtoldme.com. Anyway, Elle, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, my cat has just chosen this exact time to walk across my desk. So you might see a cat here in a second. But thank you for having Hi. me on. Um, I love that. I'm really excited to be on. So. 
I, as yeah. I was saying before the show, I uh, I'm happy to meet you because I don't I don't know very much about you yet, only because every time I follow you, you get banned. So, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, it's that girl again. She's back." <laughs> but people can find you. You said before the show, if they want to find you in a more permanent place, you're on. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm on Gab, um, and I also have a Telegram, which is also Telegram uh, at some bitch I know. I have a channel, um, and both of those are, are, of course, a lot more permanent than that. And then I also have my website, which is uh, somebitchtoldme.com. And for anybody who's offended by swears, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's okay. We have a mixed audience. <laughs> and there's one audience member in particular who d puts money in the jar every time. So, Marie, <laughs> today is an expensive day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's good though, because um, it's always Marie. I, it's always me that is causing Marie to put money in the jar. I'm always the swearer, so uh, now Sorry. I have a partner in crime. Here we go. Um, so it's good. <laughs> Pirate Tomsky gives us ten pounds, and he's saying he's refilling right. the swear jar for us. So all right, um, L. They Let's to talk about. So hey, what happened in the news today? What happened yesterday? What was in the news? Did anything happen in the news yesterday? Was there anything important? Hmm. I don't know. What did, what, it's kind of a slow news day, wasn't it? I oh. think so. I did see Jen <laughs> Saki smiling a little bit. So there was some smirking oh, happening. Maybe that made that the news. Smirk, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, do y'all want me to like summarize it? Because if anybody, I uh, think you should summarize it because you have your finger on the pulse of this more, and then we can get into it. So. Oh well, you're giving me way too much credit. Um, essentially, Joe Biden, uh, everyone knew it was coming. It had been hinted at for weeks uh, up until this point, but Joe Biden yesterday gave a speech where he gave a, a six-prong uh, plan. I use the word plan kind of loosely there, but technically it's a plan uh, how to uh, slow the spread of COVID and it basically is a de declaration of war against small business, medium business, against uh, just individual liberty in general. Uh, granted, I don't want to tell you what to think, but that's what I think. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people agree with this. Uh, and even people who have been vaccinated at this point feel like, you know, they might be pro-vax, but they're anti-mandate. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And they're trying to circumvent the um, the lack of ability for the federal government to uh, to authorize vaccines and mandate them for the uh, citizenry and now dumping it the on the onus onto corporations and to uh, you know big businesses and it's a it's a big big mess but of course immediately after that um, you have a coalition of states kind of like we had in November so hopefully this will turn out better <laughs> but you have a, have a coalition of states of governors of attorneys general who have said we're gonna you know fight this tooth and nail see you in court which is what uh, Christy Noam said from South Dakota. So we will see. But uh, Joe Biden certainly, uh, you know, he said that he claimed to have all these plans when he ran, but the, this doesn't really seem like a plan so much as a, a just squashing of the middle class. So, yeah. Well, That's let's. So, uh, Beverly, I think Beverly might have the website in, it's in Notion, Beverly. If you want to pull it up, you can. Um, but let's. So, my understanding of the plan, the, the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I want to call whatever uh, that one of the prongs is and one of the I think the most controversial one, although I guess I, I, a bunch of them are. Uh, so one of the prongs here is requiring all employers with 100 or more employees to ensure their workers are vaccinated or tested weekly. 100 is not very big. Um, that's not that, that that's a pretty small threshold. Uh, 
So that's one of the prongs. Another one is requiring vaccination for all federal workers and millions of contractors that do business with the federal government. I mean, I think we're talking like, by the way, when you start adding these up, this is most of the population is going to fall under this having to deal mm-hmm. with this directly, right? Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that's, that's the other, that's, that's, uh, that's her site. That's not the one I was talking about. But what, okay, Beverly, that's good. We can talk about that in a minute. Well, if you, um, if you scroll down just a smidge, you'll, the, the plan is down kind of uh, oh, a little bit down. You'll see the path out of the pandemic. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Uh, you'll see the six prong plan. This is my, the article I've been putting together. It's a little messy. There you go. A little bit up. Sorry. Up, up, up. Yeah. You'll see a little bit up. It's got the blue line. There we go. There it is. Path yep. out of the pandemic. Um, and if you click that, uh, if you click that, it should bring up the site archive. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah. It's also, um, it's, it's also what it's also in notion, but that, that's what I'm reading from is that, that link right. that you're talking about. Right. 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 So there's it's, it's that one. A, it's with OSHA it's for, uh, you know, workplace safety regulations. Um, which there's something yes. interesting if you if you scroll down just a smidge actually just right underneath that on my site you see that Ronald Klain who is a White House chief of staff retweeted this tweet from Stephanie Rule who's a uh, a media personality who said that OSHA doing this vax mandate as an emergency workplace safety rule is the ultimate workaround for the federal government <clears throat> to require vaccinations so you have chief of staff from the White House retweeting this you know boasting about the fact that they're they found their federal workaround it's uh, quite shady yeah so that's good to keep in mind too yeah it's weird to me it. it's weird to me how like we've got um i don't i don't know I, I i guess you know for my entire life i'm watching the government slide into this increasingly totalitarian especially since 9-11 which we can talk about because 9-11 anniversary 20 years is tomorrow um mm-hmm. but We've seen like increasing authoritarianism and we seem to give the government these powers and then we're surprised when the next administration comes in and uses them in a way that like we didn't think. And it's like, yeah, well, they're going to. Um, So, yeah, so we've got, but businesses with more than 100 employees, all federal workers and contractors, all healthcare workers at Medicare and Medicaid participating hospitals, which I think, and other healthcare settings, which is basically almost all of them including um, at home care which is a i think a massive overreach i mean the whole thing is massive overreach but at home care yep. i mean you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be losing their uh, personal care person so yep and then Ooh. calling on large entertainment venues to require proof of vaccination or testing for entry uh there's one more which is requiring employers to provide paid time off to get vaccinated that's actually the least offensive of all of them although i don't like it oh. They were doing that already, though. I feel like that was a weird one to throw in because that was already a thing. But, you know. Yeah. They wanted to round it up to a nice even six. (laughs) So can we let's talk about who's some of the pushback? Because you've been you mentioned uh, one of the governors. What's some of the pushback that you've seen on this from the state level? Well, I mean, as of right now, a lot of it seems to be. A lot of posturing and a lot of well, you know, we'll see you in court. So hopefully, That's more than just fear. more than just yeah. posturing, hopefully, will come out of it. I think that honestly, at the end of the day, while in the article that I put together, I am tracking what elected officials are saying. I think the most important part is to make sure that uh, we ourselves are becoming more resilient and less reliant and more independent because at, they need us more than we need them, and it's essentially 
like I said, a declaration of war on a third to a, a half of the population who just flat out aren't going to get it. They keep saying that people don't know what they're talking about. The people don't know where to get the vaccines, which like they they have them at Kroger. You know, it's not that people don't know where to get them. It's not that people don't know what they're about. It's that well, we know what they're about and we're not going to do it. <laughs> it's also it's a, a large uh part of the unvaccinated are black people and they also don't know how to get an ID or to, how to vote. Yeah. So, oh, I forgot. You know, yeah. According to the left. <laughs> the, the poor so, masses don't know yes. how to get IDs and don't know how to get vaccines and are too stupid to understand white papers. But, you know, it's this I think that's an intentional continually demeaning, demeaning mm -hmm. and condescending kind of language that they use around this. Yeah. Although I kind of feel like he's giving up some of that condescension uh, in terms of being too stupid to get it in this speech, the way he kept saying he's frustrated, we're all frustrated mm -hmm. at the unvaxxed, um, sort oh, of sure. putting this hostility out there and this, and he, it sort of seemed like, wow, you're moving away from they're just too stupid to they're bad people. And I saw people well, making comparisons after that online to um, you know, like the Rwandan genocide, the way that the media, was it the Danish? I can't remember. I think it was the Danish who, who colonized Rwanda, but the way that they stirred up hatred between the Hutu and Tutsi mm -hmm. and on the radio as well. And they, and so people were saying, it's sort of like an address where you're saying, Hey, listen, Hutu, the 25% of Tutsi were really frustrated with them. They mm -hmm. were really frustrated. They're the reason we're in this mess. They're the reason for all of They're our problems. Stupid. They're they stupid. They're this, They're et cetera. Yeah. And that's genocidal. I think people, I don't think it's hyperbole at all to say this is a precursor to something oh, very bad. This is, this is bad. This is not good language. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just happy we don't have a divider in chief. Yeah. Now we have someone who will unite us. That's what. Really oh yeah. We're going to bring the country mind. together. We're going to sew back the fabric of society. Make a love quilt. Um, <laughs> no, I think that for sure it, it is some very di uh, divisive language. I think that what they have not really accounted for is the fact that there are plenty of people who have chosen to get vaccinated for whatever reason, whether they feel like it's the right choice, whether they're a lot more high risk and feel like that's like the best choice for them. They still are also not pro mandate. And right. you have people who see the warning signs of them talking about uh, putting out boosters as soon as i guess the end of september um that, that see the slippery slope of tyranny and i don't think that they quite accounted for the fact that even people who have gotten vaccinated aren't quite for this i think they're in for a rude awakening um but a lot of the rhetoric that you see I, it, it's very important to remind people that twitter is not real life it's just not um and i don't know where y'all live i live in alabama so it's obviously very different but like as, as much as they say that the Alabama hospitals are overrun and we're all just dying in the streets here, uh, like, no, we're not. And nobody wears a mask and everybody like it doesn't really exist here. I mean, people do get sick. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that we're I, I think they're in for a rude awakening from the like with pushback from the states and from just citizens in general. Like he talks about being tired. You're of us. Right. We're tired of him. So. <laughs> I hope you're I, right. I definitely was encouraged by, so I'm from South Carolina originally. I live in Texas now, but I saw, I don't know very much about the South Carolina governor, but I saw uh, Henry McMaster. He had, I think one of the most dramatic and I appreciate it in times like, cause yeah, it's a dramatic time. He mm -hmm. said, the American dream has turned into a nightmare under President Biden and the radical Democrats. They have declared war against capitalism, thumbed their noses at the Constitution, and empowered our enemies abroad. 
Rest assured, we will fight them to the gates of hell to protect the liberty and livelihood of every South Carolinian. Yes! That's awesome. <laughs> I yeah, like, totally. I don't know much about him. And as soon as I shared that, I had people telling me, oh, beware of the rhinos in South Carolina or people that I guess they're saying that say things they don't mean. But I, so I, I have no idea if it's all uh, bluster or not, but I really hope it's not. I think there's probably some like there's some unprincipled politicians who will seize on this though and recognize that the pop like even if they don't really mean it they might actually act in the way that we want because they'll realize mm. like oh this is what people want so like the Texas governor has done that a little bit um, yeah he's oh, yeah. sort of it. what were you gonna say L oh I don't even know what can states do does you guys like i was thinking about this what could a state do i guess you could potentially say to the businesses in your state you're not like you're not required to follow this and we won't enforce it i guess you could say that you won't let federal agencies enforce it like you i guess you could fight the agencies so this is this is the department of labor so how does the department of labor enforce this exactly i'm not sure but i guess you could tell your local sheriffs that arrest the Department of Labor people who come to shut you down? I don't know. Thank you. Um, so I definitely think that one of the key things here, and granted, I'm not a legal expert. I'm just kind of going on what I've read and kind of what I know, and I could be totally getting this wrong. But a, an executive order is not a law. And as far as the OSHA law goes, I don't believe it's been codified into law. So, and I, I need to double check that. I don't believe it's been codified into law. Whereas in the state of Alabama, for example, uh, the, the vaccine passport, vaccine mandate, all that, those bans have been codified into law by not only, it wasn't just an executive order from our governor, it was codified into law by our House of Representatives and our Senate here in the state. So I would think that codified law within the state would be able to, hold some weight in courts i don't know i might be just yeah. making stuff up so there's that but and then also i mean flat out they i mean they it's not going to last in court but we know i or at least i don't think it will but we also know that uh biden also extended the you know the cdc moratorium even though he's like i don't i don't know if it's legal but we're gonna do it to go buy some time i feel like this is probably another one of those instances where he wants to make a big bold move and they'll just see how it plays out in court because those things take a month or two at least so uh yeah it reminds me of something that large um large corporations do i've actually been on the receiving end of this lawsuit tactic before as a small company um but like a large corporation will know that they're in the wrong in some legal matter. It doesn't matter what it is. In the case that I'm talking about, they were literally they literally stole our stuff and were using it. They knew they were wrong. Like there was no, they knew they were gonna lose. But um, they also knew we had limited resources and time. Like we, you know, we were at the time, I think we were five or six people in our company. And so, mm -hmm. and they were a multi-billion dollar international firm. <laughs> and so they just played these games in court where it was like, well, we're going to do this. I know it'll get shot down, but then like, well, we'll try the next thing. And then, oops, your honor, we had to change lawyers. Sorry. Like, can we have mm -hmm. a, can we delay this a little bit? And they, they tried to drag it out and drag it out, knowing that even though in the end they would lose legally, mm -hmm. they could get the time. practical value of winning for a really long time, which is all that really mattered. Right. Um, 
I I think that's the strategy that the Biden team is is using. And, and frankly, I don't want to just it's probably lots of presidents have done this. The strategy mm -hmm. is we know that this might be struck down. We don't care because once we get everyone, if everyone ha like does this, if they comply and they get vaccinated, we'll get our way. Mm -hmm. And then it'll get struck down a year later. And, you know, who cares? We got what we wanted out of it. There is a really good thread on Twitter, which I archived because I really liked it. It's by um, at why wherever, where he goes into talking about the difference between legitimate authority and practical power and talking about how. Um, <clears throat> sorry, he, he's an officer in uh, the army and he said that he like he could tell someone who's ranked below him you know, go sit in the corner and suck your thumb for an hour. I've just uh, attempted to exercise my control over him. You'll be relieved to know that I don't have the legitimate authority to do this, um, but there's an outside chance that I could get him to do it. If he does, the nature of our relationship both has and has not changed in two terribly important ways. I'm talking about the difference between if people go along with it, even if you don't have the authority to mm -hmm. do it, then you've basically gotten your way anyway. So, I mean, I just basically reiterated what you said, but that thread was really, really good. It's uh, from at why wherever on Twitter, highly recommend you go read it. It's a good read. Mm -hmm. so. There's definitely psyop mm -hmm. happening, right? There's definitely mm -hmm. some like, there's an attempt to psychologically control mm -hmm. the population. And that's evident in the language you, you two were just talking about before where um, we have this characterization of people who haven't taken the COVID vaccine as Homer Simpsons, right? Like dumb, right. ignorant, uh, beer, beer and donuts are enough bribe to get them to do it. Like, I think one of the reasons that they chose those kind of bribes to put out is it, uh, the kind of bribe you choose is indicative of, uh, the, the characterization you're trying to portray right. for the people. So if they said, well, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to give them new money clips. It's like, oh, well, that's a, clearly Thank you're me. going after a different audience or like, oh, like we're going to be like, here's a, you know, here's a specialized, uh, I don't know, here's a specialized dashboard ornament for Ferraris that we're going to hand out to people. It's like, oh, I, I see who you're going after. You think that people who have Ferraris are the ones who aren't vaccinated. But if it's like, yeah. here's some cheap beer and donuts, it's like, oh, oh, I see. I see what you think about the people who are not getting vaccinated. And I think that allows the, a lot of the, I think there's a lot of confused people in the middle who are semi-intelligent, who mm -hmm. are not sure what to think about the, um, they're not sure what to think about all this. They're not sure what to think about the infringements on liberty. They, they kind of see that there's a problem, mm -hmm. but you know, you should be kind of getting vaccinated because it's for the, the greater good and then people maybe make arguments about why they don't want to and it's a little bit confusing and it's a lot easier if you can convince those people oh don't worry it's the stupid slack-jawed deplorables who are not getting vaccinated everyone with a brain is getting vaccinated don't worry about that you can dismiss them um and i think it makes it a lot easier to to make that divide you're talking about and doing us versus them well, I mean, you know, Obama had his birthday and it was a sophisticated vaccinated affair. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they're trying to delineate the thing here in Alabama um, when they were trying to uh, KIV has been absolutely about, you know, choose it whether or not you want it, but uh, outlawed or made it illegal to require the vaccine mandates. But one of the things that they were doing here to try to convince people to get uh, vaccinated, <laughs> which I find it hilarious, was if you got a vaccine, uh, you could go drive the loop at uh, Talladega. 
<laughs> like you don't drive like wow. NASCAR truck. I was like, I mean, like that's kind of cool, but yeah, it's, it's, but like, come on. The thing like, about yeah. all those bribes that I thought, and they're they're clearly it's funny how, yeah, they're so right. open now about the carrot and the stick. Like they're just tell they'll just say it. We don't even have to call it that. They call it that. They say you know enough of the carrot. It's not working now. The now stick. It's time for like, stick. Yeah. yeah. But when they were offering the carrot, the one of the funniest things I saw, my husband and I saw were people in the comments on Twitter who had gotten vaccinated immediately when it was first available, getting upset and tweeting stuff like, why why are these people getting rewarded with trips around driving the, the Talladega car? Why are they getting to win lotteries? Yeah. And why are they getting free beer and donuts? We just got, we lined up, we did the right thing early. We lined up and got mm -hmm. the vaccine early. And my husband and I were laughing. He said, those people are sort of like the girl who puts out real easy. And then it's like, why are you going after the, like, why is this girl getting wined and dined right. and roses? Like I gave it to you on the first date. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a great analogy, Carrie. But they were just like, oh, cause those people were really butthurt, you know, but. Just to be clear, I want Biden to hear this. I'm holding out for a freeze trip to space on, on the first <laughs> SpaceX flight. So uh, if you can arrange that, jab me all you want, buddy. You're so an expensive that's, date. That's my price. Yeah, I'm, I may be a prostitute, but I'm very clear about my price. Like, it's it's a free ride to space. <laughs> and back. Well, I'm, like, I'm looking at it more here on this, though. So I didn't quite make this uh, distinction. So Biden said, obviously, they were saying that OSHA, like, would require it. But truly, there is no rule in effect yet. Uh, OSHA is developing a rule that would require that. But it's not in effect. And you have... Mm -hmm. And some bloated, pompous, whatever, um, uh, a hex, uh, the former head of OSHA uh, on Twitter says that even though there's not a law in place, compliance generally starts to happen when the rule is announced, even before it goes into effect. So, again, this is another one of those things where it, is it is it uh, like practical authority or is it, you know, actual authority? And they, there's actually doesn't seem like there's anything even codified or written into place yet, but people are already kind of, you know. Right, because they're worried it will be, and and they kind of that people are very we we live in a world in which people are very eager for an authority figure to uh, tell them what to do, give them rules, whatever, and so and they call us bootlickers. Uh, yeah, 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 and they call us bootlickers. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I don't know. I th I think there is a distinction to be made generally, and I brought this up the other day when uh, I was flying back from somewhere, and um, who who. Who pointed it out? I think it was Jason in Q, actually, who just you just said hello to, who just yeah. super chatted you. Uh, he um, he said, you know, that the airline was saying it's federal law to wear your mask, and he was like, it's not federal law. It's no, federal none of these things are codified into law. <laughs> no. Yeah, and like that's a distinction that I think is lost on a lot of people. Congress passes laws, um, mm -hmm. but in many cases, for a lot of stuff that's a little bit nuanced, we have accepted and i think wrongly this idea that congress mm -hmm. can pass very vague powers and hand them over to the executive branch and say well we want workplace safety to kind of be regulated eh, mm -hmm. sorted out and they give very weak guidelines nothing super clear granted it's it's a complex thing and maybe you don't want congress doing that but um it's it's that's part of the progressive movement by the way which is this idea that technocrats know how to do everything and so it's building this technocracy where you've got okay OSHA knows how to make workplace safety and they but now that's all under the once you've done that it's all under one branch of government and now 
a senile man can get up in front of everyone and say they should do and blah blah blah, and and he does have the power to change that regulation. And it's completely unelected people enforcing yeah. this and issuing these guidelines, like the CDC and the eviction moratorium. You know, that's it's unheard of. I I think for by the way, James Lindsay says he might jump in and join us in a second. Just oh, FYI. Cool. So well, I don't I don't control the background here. So whoever does, <laughs> my Twitter <laughs> account, see my Twitter what? account literally just got suspended like just now. Are you oh, kidding? Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you do now? What would you do? Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> you existed. Crushing it. Wow. Everybody. Maybe know. maybe maybe Twitter's watching our show and they're like, oh, oh. that's her account. No, it no. Everybody oh, we know is getting perma banned and it's it's happening more and more frequently. And I got this guy. It's fine. That's great. <laughs> are it you the, are you the burner phone's biggest customer? Uh well, so <laughs> for anyone who goes through a lot of Twitter accounts like I do um if you just um you can get a, a track phone for like $15 and then anytime you need to start a, a new account you can uh activate it for like $5 for the month I mean it does cost five but five dollars but you can change the phone number as many times as you want to uh in that time and you can make as many accounts as you want to which is what I do so <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's probably because I've been talking a lot of shit today so all good well i imagine um, there will probably be a big purge on twitter over the next couple of days oh yeah i think this is so one of the things that's really concerning for me about this is just sort of what comes next but before i talk about what comes next uh just just a little something about about the people that are going through this we had the reason we're currently suspended from our main channel is because we did a roundtable of last week with five members of the public who just came on four of them felt the need to protect their identity. So they came on anonymously and didn't show their face, but just giving real life stories of people who are being affected, affected by vaccine mandates in the workplace. And three of them worked in healthcare and or far pharmaceuticals. Like they work, they, these are smart people or in the science and mm -hmm the video got pulled and we got a two week suspension just for talking about it. And now there's going to be so many more people in that position. And, yeah. and so that's the immediate thing that's happening. That's I find really troublesome and, and people's lack of empathy about that online. I know Twitter's not the real world, but man, do they push a lot? There's a lot of uh, cultural leaders there, shepherds, if you will, shepherding us all, to the wrong place. <laughs> and right. um, what is it about, what is it about people and, and, and human psychology that causes them to be unable to empathize with someone like one person in our, in our round table, her husband has a blood platelet disorder. So he can't take, he can't take it. Hi, James. Hey, hey James. Hey, How thanks for you? joining us. I'm sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. Uh, that's good because you know we just talked to Jack Murphy recently, and he said saving civilization is going to start in the squat rack. And I thought well, that I wasn't was a good squats, but I had similar thoughts. I literally was outside doing wind sprints and in martial arts training in between, and thinking mm -hmm. things like, if the apocalypse comes, you've got to like be able to push through discomfort. You have to be able to like. I actually was thinking train yourself to the point of being weak, and then start training. Mm 
so that you can can accelerate into the to the strength building or or resilience building or uh, I don't know stoicism or some shit. Oh god, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it's well, not that hot, but I am a sweaty mess, and I can't really stop that for another hour or two. Um, it's okay. I think being a sweaty mess makes your arguments all invalid. So this should be easy. Um, well, they're invalid anyway. <laughs> Twitter said so. So oh. no. So do you know L? Do you know L? She goes by. Uh, yeah. some bitch I know. Okay. So yeah, she just, she just got on the band. I, I just got suspended again. <laughs> again? So you're on like your 84th account next. Um, <laughs> I'm probably, this is probably like number 15, to be honest. That's <laughs> crazy. Damn. It happens uh, in real time though. here. You got to so, make cancel culture work for you though, because every time I get uh, suspended on Twitter, I get like an immediate influx of followers on Gab and on Telegram, which is a lot more resilient. So I would like to thank Jack Dorsey for, you know, not giving up because they're really just driving traffic to my site and my other socials. <laughs> what so. did you get banned for this time? I mean, you probably already covered it, but I, I uh, probably because I called Liana Wynn a fucking tyrant or something. Oh, yeah, so, I keep calling her. <laughs> a tyrant and but you got to avoid certain words you can't use the c word with with any woman on twitter or you're mm -hmm. gone for I can example use whatever word i want to no i'm just saying if you want to stay on twitter <laughs> they have they have i fully rules, agree yeah. with your sentiment i'm just saying that like right. they have like some oh, guy sorry. called uh uh forgot dave rubin by the c word earlier so i reported him just because i know that they're hypersensitive to that word and uh, bye right. If for some reason they like flip out and Dave's gay, so well, here we go. Bye. Um, they <laughs> really don't like that word. I mean, it's like massive discrimination against Australians and British people who use that word in yeah, every really. third breath, but here we are. Yeah. But no, I call, so, I've been, so, I'm really going after her. She's a problem. Can, well, can we talk about her and then we'll get back to what no, we no. were discussing before we got in? I, I saw yeah. the video for, uh, on CNN saying that Biden's six point plan, we did already talk about that James a little bit, but that the plan didn't go far enough. Yeah, she's and... just outlining what the other five points are. That's <laughs> what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, how yeah. do we get them onto boxcars is the question that I'm a little bit confused about. And where oh, I mean, exactly, what color to... will the boxcars be? Those yeah, are see, I've been talking details. to people like that are in on like that family members and things who are all about this vaccine stuff. How do you get them on the boxcars is very easy. You just say, go on the boxcars, and they'll go. It's amazing. It's really like, this is what I've Trust run into. Trust the science I, of the boxcar. I have, yeah, exactly. Did you know that if we just get on the boxcars, the pandemic will end? And that will do it. That will actually do it. I actually had people that I went to lunch with. I, I put this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I went to lunch with a bunch of blue and on type people, and they literally were saying to me, knowing that I had not been vaccinated and may still not be vaccinated and will not be vaccinated, period, um, that all unvaccinated people belong in camps. And like literally they were saying this to me, you know, and I was the only one there. And of course, they were wearing N95 masks outside. We had to eat outside on the patio. It was like literally almost 100 degrees out. We had to eat outside on the patio and they're wearing N95 masks between bites and sips. To like, and how do you saying know these people? We all, <laughs> how, how do I know these people? They may yeah. or may not be in my family. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So it's that. really, it, it's like totally lit when your family members are telling you you belong in a concentration camp. Wow. And so that's how you get them on boxcars. You yeah. say the pandemic ends when all the unclean people get on boxcars and they will push you on the boxcar, even if they are your mother. It's not my mother, by the way, though. 
My mom hates this shit. My mom's based. (laughs) That's good. Good for your mom. Yeah. Um, So one of the things I was I was saying is uh, I think there's I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting a lot of messages from people sharing their stories. And so I was telling Elle, the reason we're banned currently from our regular channels, because we had a roundtable last week where we had members of the public just come anonymously. Four of them were too afraid to even put their cameras, their face on the camera and just anonymously share details of how in, you know, the mandates in the workplace. And so we had someone and, and most of these people work in science or in the medical field or the pharmaceutical field. And one of them, her husband, he's the sole breadwinner. They have six kids. He has a blood platelet disorder that prevents him from taking the vaccine. His doctors advise him not to take it. And it doesn't matter. It seems like it doesn't matter what the reason is. Not that you need a medical reason, but even with the medical reason, they don't care. And so um, my inbox is full of people who I can't even read all these messages because it makes me so emotional. But I don't understand what is what is with the psychology of people that they don't feel <clears throat> they can't feel empathy for people who are being put in the situation right now. Like what is going on with people on a large scale that they can't feel empathy for for the guy with the blood platelet disorder who has six kids to feed? <laughs> like what's I, I, I'm sorry, maybe that's an unanswerable question. It's not unanswerable. <laughs> it's actually really simple. It's very, very simple. They have been led to fear the virus above all else in the world. And that fear trumps all other concerns. So what this is how all totalitarian enterprises take over is they create a sense of fear in people that is so overwhelming, whether it's the unclean this or that that's going to cause the destruction of society or whatever. They create a fear that narrows empathy to the to, to such a degree that they're willing to completely dehumanize people that are in the scapegoated group. That's how they cannot, they literally cannot process because they're so afraid of the other thing. They're so afraid of the other thing. And there's lots of complicated psychology. I said it's very simple behind that. Um, I don't know if you've studied the backfire effect, for example, but the backfire effect has the backfire effect was, was originally studied, interestingly enough, in the context of anti-vaccination. And what they discovered was that if back when the old anti-vax movement was a thing where it was like they, people didn't want to give their kids MMR vaccines or tetanus vaccines or whatever, they would go and they would provide them with all the science and all the information and all the science and information about, you know, childhood illnesses and herd immunity, et cetera, would actually cause them to double down. And they would become more anti-vax as a result of being intervened upon by what would probably have been mostly legitimate medical science at the time. And what the thing is, is when you force somebody to go, what they figured out with the backfire effect is that when you force somebody to admit that they've been causing harm by holding wrong beliefs, that they've been on the side of evil, that they've been causing, you know, widespread injury or, or, or malice or something like this that they're so invested in protecting their identity as a good person that they will dig in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to do anything but admit that they've been complicit in evil. And this is the way that the backfire effect works. Facts become, not only are they impervious to facts, but facts actually become radicalizers in the same direction that they've already gone because they have to admit that they've been complicit in evil to admit that they were wrong and they won't do it. It's so hard for people to, you know, we say eat crow pie or whatever, but this yeah. is way beyond that. When you're literally to the point where you're dehumanizing members of your family, 
Imagine yeah. what it takes psychologically to admit that you've been tricked by CNN into dehumanizing members of your family. Like, yeah. like freaking Brian Stelter tricked the po fucking potato tricked you into <laughs> dehumanizing your family. Imagine how yeah. embarrassing that is to have to admit. Imagine how humiliating it is to you to have to admit that. So much easier to just say, oh, all these stupid, unclean people that I'm constantly hearing demonization about are actually the problem. And if they would have got on board earlier, if they would have just did what they were supposed to instead of being selfish jerks, then we wouldn't be in this mess. And I wouldn't have had to believe this way. And I wouldn't have had to take this radical position that's actually awful. And so their own guilt becomes a radicalizer in their in, in, in the same direction. Um, it's funny because I kind of want to do a podcast about the overwhelmingly interesting points of Harry Potter for today's world that we're in. And w if you look at how an, a Horcrux is unmade in the Harry Potter universe and that, that mythology, that allegory, a Horcrux is unmade by feeling all of the guilt associated with its production. That's how... That's the magic of unmaking a Horcrux and stitching your soul back together in Harry Potter. You have to feel the remorse, the full remorse of all of the evil that you perpetrated in order to create it. And that's a really profound metaphor. And the, that, it, it, I mean, the whole point at the very end is, of Harry Potter, spoiler alert, kids, if you haven't read all seven books, Harry, after, or after, after Dumbledore does the same thing repeatedly, Harry offers... Voldemort the chance to feel the freaking remorse and he won't take it. He can't do it. And that's what happens. This is why at Christmas, on Christmas Day last year, I published an essay, Psychopathy and the Origins of Totalitarianism. And I said that totalitarianism always comes out of psychopathy, mentioning Leanna mm -hmm. Wynn, and that what happens is they spin ideologies that make people behave. Most people aren't psychopaths. It's like 0.6 or 0.8% of the population. But you get them caught up in an ideology, especially a scapegoating ideology and a grievance-based ideology, and they act functionally psychopathic. They have that narrowed empathy. And they're, they're, it's largely because the psychology is largely because it's so damn painful to admit you were wrong and that you got duped by something that bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's is, it. Is, it this re is this related to – well, I, I can see that being taken to a further – even like I can see the horrifying outcome there where if you're if you are so if you're so afraid of confronting the role that you've played in for example demonizing your child or whatever it is that Brian that the potato has has convinced you to do um you eventually actually want to not see those people around you want them not around because they're a constant reminder of your mm -hmm. own um complicity and guilt and so you actually putting them in camps, putting you in a camp is good. It's a kind of a, not good, but it's a uh, from their perspective because it, from their perspective it's good because they don't have to see you because you're a yeah, reminder of it, that. It's right that, that evil that they've perpetrated. You are the you are a, an emblem of the mental pathogen that reminds them of the physical yes. pathogen that they're trying to exterminate from their lives, and so yeah, locking you away where they can't see you, and they can even probably go into some kind of like. Munchausen's by proxy pity story about it if they want to as well. And it's all kinds of messed up psychology when we get to the place that we are actually headed blatantly at this point. Some of us have been, some of us have been warning about this for a few years and yeah. getting our accounts canceled repeatedly um, and, and thrown off of social media and called in insane and getting canceled out of our, our networks and everything else. And 
we it, it's getting increasingly blatant now. Um, this is where I keep hearing, you know, I'm not getting these messages like you're getting. I've finally stopped receiving messages of people kind of like desperate for their personal life story to tell me. I used to get about a thousand a week and I, I get almost zero now. Um, I guess people realize like I can't help you on a personal level. Um, I'm a theoretician. Sorry. Uh, so um, I get messages now, though, of people saying things like the Democrats have lost me forever. Like there's no mm -hmm. bringing me back. I've never deviated from them in my life. There's no bringing me back now. And this is why I keep saying we've I've tweeted it a bunch of times. We have we have crossed the Rubicon, the Rubicon or they know. They know they have crossed Rubicon. They cannot go back. They so can't. they are not going to, the Democrats are not going to win an election outside of a couple of states, you know, the stupid West Coast states and New York, basically, in Vermont. Outside of those states, they're not, they're, they're not going to win significantly in national or state elections again in, for a generation. And they know it. They, therefore, are not going to play by the rules of normal electoral politics. 2022 is going to be, if it's a fair election, is going to be a massacre for the blue, for Team Blue. 2024 is going to be a bigger massacre for Team Blue. And they know it. So That's, they're not going to play by the rules of electoral politics. They're going to try yeah, to I break the game between now and then if they can. Yeah, I don't More than they have, actually. That we'll ever see. That's just me. I don't know if we'll ever see a fair election again. See, <laughs> At I'm the way national more optimistic. Level. I don't have think that ever? this... I don't think that this regime will last and then we will begin to see them again. But how we get out of this regime, I don't see pretty ways out yet. The Khmer Rouge, so that, you never know. The Khmer Rouge was literally, they murdered 3 million Cambodians and then they just kind of, all the people went up and just asked them to stop and to get out of power. And if they did, that they'd be left alone. And they did. Pol Pot died of an old age, not in prison. No. They just... Stop it. Get out of power. Go back to being a regular citizen. You're not in power anymore. And they were like, okay. And I think like three three or four people, and that was it, out of the Khmer Rouge, got tried. Where all of them were like, you know, war criminals to the to the degree of virtually the Nazis. And so um, you never know. There are ways, but people are going to have to basically demand that the powers that be no longer be the powers that be. And then start see what, and we, then we see what happens. Because they are not going to play by the rules any longer. I mean, they haven't been for like a while and people just haven't been ready to admit it. Um, but the the pretense that they are going to play by the rules and that their usual rules are still operant, that pretense is done, is done now. I how much do you think we're in a bubble, though? And how much like which bubble? <laughs> well, I, I mean, in the sense of are people as like the four of us are are. Oh, outrage. that kind of bubble. Because like, another but, bubble is the fact that the entire world financial market is probably going to collapse because we're in a gigantic financial bubble. And one way of interpreting everything that's happening right now is that the rich people are trying to cook all the books to make sure that they're still rich after the whole thing falls apart. That's just yeah. one way to interpret everything. Like this sure, student although loan my thing is just like the, the tip of an yeah. iceberg of yeah. financial catastrophe coming. The problem with the financial catastrophe stuff is because I've paid attention to that narrative for over 20 years as well. It's very hard to predict exactly what year things will fall apart. Um, like they they will like even the housing crisis. Like there were predictions of it, and a couple people got the time frame about right, but few people got the time frame about right when a lot of people knew eventually what would happen. And it's hard. It's it's sometimes difficult because 
sometimes the financial markets can be manipulated long enough that you know a five-year delta is actually a big deal do you know what right, i mean right, so right, right now as far as us being in like a a, a bubble like uh feedback loop bubble or an echo chamber well i don't know um i was just in ye old southern california which turns out to be fairly blue um I had to be tested daily for COVID while I was there, and then still wear an N95 mask everywhere I went. Uh, with Wait, where people. where was this in Southern? I'm in California. I'm not down in Los Angeles. That was that was actually who was requiring the testing every week. Paramount Pictures. Oh, oh. I went on. I went on the TV, and um, okay. they made they tested me literally the day before. They tested me again the day of, and they made me wear an N95 mask everywhere I went uh, while on premises. It's and religious. It is. So I asked literally every person I could ask who appeared to work there why I had to wear a mask if they've tested me twice in the last 24 hours and I have two negative tests, which statistically speaking with their 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 tests is means I probably don't have it. Plus, I may or may not. We'll just leave it at that. Have antibodies. And so um, nobody could answer that question. They just said it was the policy and just following yeah, orders, sir. Hop on the box car. Following orders. Yeah. Just following orders. And so, and it's like, nobody you actually interact with is responsible for the policy. So you like, you can't hassle like the poor guy driving the golf cart. It's not his fault. Yeah, you can. Uh, well, you, I did, but, um, well, <laughs> I hassled everybody, but it's like, it's, I mean, th that's the thing is like, if you hassle them, they're like, everybody complains to me, to their boss. And then their boss is like, all my people are complaining to me, to their boss. And it finally makes its way up to the people responsible. But we, as we have identified, those people don't care. Um, so anyway, I was there and all I heard were little whispers. I'm a Democrat and I agree with every word you say. I'm a Southern California Democrat and I agree with every word you say. But the problem is, and I ran into this in D.C. also just before that. The problem is, but we still can't vote for Republicans. We've got to find, which is like half of them are screwed up anyway. We need to find a Democrat who will be against this stuff. And it's like, well, here's your odds. You got about 5% chance of finding any Democrat who will buck the Democratic Party system. And then they won't do that for long once they get in the machine. You got about a 40 to 50% chance of finding a Republican who will, um, you know, See, here's, the, here's, here's what's happening with those people. Because I used to live in LA and I was in that echo chamber and I was in that cult. And they are their identity. I know you, you know that their identity is tied up with their political party, which is ridiculous. Oh, I know. But I know. it is. And so they have to be, they have to, I think the first step for those people is, is helping them understand that you can be liberal and vote for a different party. It, mm -hmm. Don't, you can't have them sever their identity as a liberal yet. They may choose right. to later. Some of them may become conservative. Some may not. I, I still consider myself liberal on most political issues, but, but to ask them to abandon all of their, it's sort of like, I think it's, we have to find a way to ease them into you're still liberal. Like you haven't changed the world's yeah, changing yeah, yeah, around yeah. you. No, that's right. And, that's right. and left, it's, left yeah. And this whole Republican, we can't vote for a Republican. Why? Nobody even knows what they're doing in the voting booth, but they still feel like they can't do it. Why? Because it, it feels like they're betraying something. They feel I had two progressive friends vote for Trump this time, and I, I voted for Trump this time, which is would have been unfathomable, you know, four years ago. But but one of those friends uh, called my husband and was like, I feel like I did I do something wrong. I think it was right, but I feel dirty like they, it's because they have so much attachment 
identity attachment to these political categories, which themselves are changing and don't yeah, even mean yeah. that much. Right. So, right. yeah, that's that's a huge, a huge, huge point. It's a huge thing. Um, and this is what I, I've, I've noticed is, you know, they're just utterly attached to that that identity. Like the Republicans are the dumb people and they're the bad people and they want to like limit women. That's why I'm all pissed off about this stupid abortion thing right now. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's a huge moral issue for, for people. And it's also the biggest wedge issue in the universe. Like, could you yeah. seriously not oh get distracted? God. Like, do you think it was an accident that this came up right before a bunch of wavering people in California had to yeah. try to vote out their communist governor? Like, yeah. 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 Played every I mean, time. These techniques that you're talking about that have, have been used against the people that are not complying with vaccination mandates or don't want to get vaxxed, they've been used against the Republican Party. I mean, I've been in California for 20 years. Republican, there's been constant rhetoric of actually fearing Republicans, um, that Republicans are literally the KKK. They're literally fascist yeah. Nazi people. And obviously that rhetoric increased in the last several years, right? They're the devil. Um, so my hood is uh, just like right off the yeah. screen, actually, you know, we got like the whole robe and everything. Sure. So the yeah. My baby sacrifices are over there, here. So they're just off the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean, so, so they've, they've come to, it's like now they're between a rock and a hard place. They, they maybe fear this, the, the COVID stuff, but, but they stop fearing that. And they've got this other rock over here where it's like, well, I, I fear the Republicans too. I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't get out of it because. I'm afraid of the Republicans um, in, the, yeah. in a similar kind of irrational way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, I mean, what I know what tripped me over is I got asked to like, I just happened to be in DC when it once when, when, when uh, CPAC was happening and somebody was like, let's go just for the afternoon. And I was like, I can't go to CPAC. Ah. And I went and I'm like, holy shit. I've just been lied to about conservatives my whole life. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I live in East Tennessee and it was like, you know, but it's one thing because it's like, oh, my libertarian conservative libertarian buddies, you know, they're one thing. And then, you know, but they're my buddies and I know them. And then it's like, but that's the political entity. And you go there and it's just a bunch of people that are normal having a good time. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, these are actually normal yeah. people. And then I started to realize, actually, that there's Republicans and then there's Republicans. There's in other words, there's 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 Republicans and then there's rockefeller republicans and the rockefeller republicans no. are the same fucking problem mm -hmm. bill crystal is the same yeah. problem yeah. bill crystal's on their team and that's why i said you got about a 40 or 50 percent chance with a republican and then i realized that the republicans who are not the country club republicans are normal people and yeah. i like these i like all these normal, and it's like oh the problem are the elite people yes oh they have a party they have I both parts. I mean, it's like <laughs> we've talked about before. It's a uniparty, and it's just sort of, are you wearing blue or red? But we're all in the same party for the most part. There are out, outliers and people that I, I and don't the think people are who one of them. are deplorables because yes. they're outside of that. And so, I mean, I watched like the same people who told me I belong like in a camp in my family recently, just a couple of months ago, were saying, Wow, that DeSantis makes a lot of sense, but I could never vote for him because because he, uh, he's a Republican. I was like, you can't vote for him because you're a Tennessean, actually. But um, <laughs> but he was talking about a national election. That doesn't stop Democrats, James. 
<laughs> true story. Um, but no, that was that was it. he was like, if he ran for president, you know, I have to say that I agree with almost everything he says, but I couldn't vote for him because he's Republican. And then when I got told about the concentration camps, I was like, well, what do you think about Ron DeSantis now? And they were like, death Santis. That's literally what the guy said back to me. Death Santis. He's killing all those people in Florida. And I was like, which people? <laughs> like, really? Have you been to Florida? You should go to Florida. I couldn't go to Florida. See, people are dying there like crazy. And it's like, like, okay, it's Blue Anon, man. It's like, turn I'm utterly Blue convinced. Anon is that real. The, yeah, Blue Anon is the, is the realest force in politics. Um, I'm utterly convinced that, that network news is the problem everybody's like we should the internet was a mistake and like no it was not it has exposed the problem and people are freaking mm -hmm. out but network television news is and ha that is like the biggest vehicle for propaganda that you could possibly mm -hmm. imagine the, the the internet actually decentralizes it and makes it so yeah you can pick your own propaganda on the one hand and you can get caught up in an echo chamber really easily but holy crap it's so easy to get exposed to a contradictory opinion. Uh, yes, yeah. I have read Political Punerology twice. Um, and yes, you should read the book. Um, it's a fascinating book. Uh, you get so to pick your echo chamber on the internet is what you're saying. Whereas yeah, with, with you the, get to the pick your echo chamber. Cathedral, but the you thing is, yeah. you, but you also, like, so somebody said something on Twitter earlier today, and it was Connor Friedersdorf or something. And they, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was basically along the, the, the lines of something of, like this. It was, it, was, it was being mocked ever made you change your opinion. Well, not in the moment, but here's what I do. I get mocked. Turns out, I know you guys don't know this. Once in a while, I'm wrong. Did you know that? What? Nobody knew that. Once in a while, it's like a point zero 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 one four percent chance. But sometimes I'm incorrect, and but sometimes I get mocked. And usually, if I get mocked, I actually go double check my sources. And once in a while, I find out, and it's much more often than what I just said. Holy shit! I'm embarrassingly wrong. And then I very quietly change my opinion. So it doesn't like change in the moment. But being mocked actually, like, no, I'm gonna. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm going to show them and I go look it up and I'm actually wrong. And I think more people do that than you think, or than a lot of people. It's think. actually, it's, a, yeah, it's I funny because really my, yeah. my husband, when we met, he was sort of, he wasn't an SJW, but he was more, he just trusted the mainstream news outlets that you're talking about. And he said, it was, I never, he was like, you never made me feel like you were trying to give me a lecture it was just that you would say things like, and I don't remember this, but to him, it was big. He said, we were cooking one day and I said something about Trump's collusion with the Russians. And you just said, wow, oh, you, you believe that? And, <laughs> and he said, it made me embarrassed. Like, should I not believe it? And later I started reading about it and I was like, oh my God, this is not, this never happened. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is so, though, is it's like, are you serious? This stuff is so funny. How could you not make fun of it? How? Look at Klaus Schwab, for example. The guy, like, are you just look kidding? At him. Just listen yeah. to him. He's like, yeah. like Alex Jones was making fun of him the other day, and it's the funniest damn thing I've ever seen. Because first, he actually said it. He's like, you will be eating bugs and weeds. You will be drinking this water from the sewage. He's like literally saying this stuff in his creepy, well, he was saying, I guess, in German, but in his creepy German accent, looking like Dr. Evil had like, a really bad decade and like wearing some kind of like fucking laser suit. Like he's the weirdest guy. How are we all not making fun of this guy relentlessly and constantly? 
so that that CEO at Goldman Sachs and his sharp little Armani feels like a total putz forever listening to that jackass. How are we not constantly making fun of the the guy who looks like Dr. Evil but got his face stretched and it hangs a little bit like a poodle or something or one of them other dogs has hanging faces? Like, why why are we not constantly making fun of this guy? Like this guy should. Well, be he doesn't have a white of... cat yet, so he's well, having a white cat. Just Photoshop then... it on there. Like, who cares? <laughs> Put cat turd on there. Like, seriously, how on earth can we? Are we? They hate being made fun of. Yeah. They this hate is why they hate memes. This is why they hate memes because the right is pretty good at memes. <laughs> Sorry, you do. Again, yeah, you, me, like twenty other you people. You have to make and fun then... of these people because they have no sense of humor. And honestly, and they don't, if, you, if you if you had to write out a supervillain for the modern era and you wrote out Klaus Schwab, you'd go, you know, that's a little on the nose. I need to, like, give him a little bit more nuance because he's he's very much yeah. like a, a cliche. And you're he's like, saying no, his like, plans in front of James Bond. That no one would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The new world order. That's my best <laughs> accent. But like, no, I mean, like they say it all the time. If you get into um, like Antonio Guterres, who's the. Um, secretary general of the united nations he's like a radical from uh spain or portugal one of you um like like all these people are just absolute lunatics who are in these uh unelected positions of global power and uh, they they absolutely read like cartoonish supervillains but they're real and they're trying to you know (laughs) rule us all so that's great they're successfully ruling us all in many ways Yes. Well, they're unelected. I mean, there's no there's no way to control who gets into those positions of power. They just are there, you know. Yeah. I guess whoever's yeah. the best sycophant gets. Well, that's why laughing at them is so important because if they start decreeing things and you make fun of people who listen to their decrees, a lot of those people, some of them still have shame. Not many. Somebody. The most profound thing I've heard this year, by the way, is don't always try to appeal to somebody's better nature because they might not have one. And I was like just laid out on the floor yeah. for like a week contemplating that. I was like, oh, crap. You know, I've been wrong my whole life. They might not. But uh, some of these people do. And other people realize, even if they don't have a better nature, they realize that if enough people are making fun of it, that it's not going to make them profit. <laughs> it's going to set them yeah. up for liability. It's going to make them look like like clown shoes and so it's just like why we're not making like every company that's that's associated with the wef that got hooked into this should be embarrassed like it's the most humiliating like you got sucked in by a bond villain like an obvious bond. like are you kidding me (laughs) like how clownish are you yeah i get that he's probably got family ties one of those famous families you're not allowed to mention but um like it's his mom or something but um you're not supposed to say that but it's Colonel, like the Colonel Sanders, that family. No, no, it's I, a different family. <laughs> he he a, probably does do the Bilderberg meetings. I'm sure, right? He's he's in yeah, the he's in that yeah. level of. But it's like yeah. seriously, they're like a, most of the thousand, the top one thousand companies in the world are like tied into this. Like, go to their website, look at their partners. Just go to the WEF yeah. website and look up partners. Just you can even use Google, which will still return this result for you, and. Go look at their partners. And it's like most of the top 1,000 companies. In the, why are we not making fun of this stuff into the ground? Like, seriously. Because if we don't burn it down with humor, sooner or later, somebody's just going to burn it down. And then, then we're in a war- different world altogether. Yeah. And, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, that's what we're trying to I'm avoid. I'm going to do it, but I understand if someone else did. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, at some point, there's not going to be an option. I mean, 
Uh, that's I mean, this but, is why it's so interesting what's happened this week, because like what I tweeted earlier, you know, ear to the ground, listening to different people in different camps. Um, people like they crossed a line that people knew, do. like they see the line got crossed. Like there's all these lines that I've been saying, you know, like where's your woke breaking point or whatever for like over a year and a year, like almost a year and a half. And they finally crossed a line that average normal people are like, what, what, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then everybody says, you know, pointing out the hypocrisy is pointless because the hypocrisy is the point and the repressive tolerance. And that's correct. But normies don't realize we live in repressive tolerance yet. And correct. so when they, when they see, you know, the CDC director, they see Biden, they see these people as recently as July, which I know it feels like it was like 17 years ago, but it was actually just like six weeks ago um, saying we're not going to do this. And now they're doing it. And you got Jen Psaki or whatever her face is like sitting there grinning like a little girl, like excited to to wage tyranny on people. Like, hee hee, we're finally going to get you little bastards. And it, like, she's literally she can't contain her mirth. Like, I know that works because a ton of normal people are sending me that video of Saki and saying, is she actually a psychopath? I didn't see it before. Yeah. Yes. Like, they've crossed a line, and I don't even know where we are right now. Like, there's been different periods. Like, all through January, I was half useless in the whole, like, culture war because I couldn't figure out where we were because um, stuff was going to change so fast with the new administration coming in. And I didn't know what was going to be. The only thing I knew for sure was they're going to get rid of that. They're like, basically everything Trump did that was of any use would get it taken away in the right. first day. True. Um, and past that, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I thought what's going on now was going to happen by April. So my timing, my guesses were all wrong. See, I told you sometimes I'm wrong. Um, I was embarrassed by that because I actually put it out to some very smart people who then held me to account in April. Like, haha, see, everything's still normal-ish. And I'm like, okay. And now Just I actually had one of them send me a message and say, okay, it's a little later than I thought, but yeah. It's only been I, I think that people are going through a grieving period and, and your point about how normies are not, they don't realize mm. that all the rules have changed is is a very important one because we do often talk to people who are already awake in some ways and, and forget. And I always try to remind myself, there are normies who stumble across our show all the time. I, I have, I have a friends now, someone in my hometown who started off hate watching our show, <laughs> like hating us and then are, have woken up. And so there are people watching and, and it is new for them and it is new to realize that yes, there are psychopaths who become elected to office. That that's actually probably a, a good career path for psychopaths. Like they <laughs> yeah. they like we know about the ones who murder, right? Like they, but not most psychopaths don't murder. Most of them get elected, or they most become some type of murder for them. Yes, they get yeah. people to follow their orders, and that's um, why people should read political ponderology. <laughs> you were a good psychopath that really wanted to kill millions of people instead of just one or two and a serial killer until you get caught you would get in a position of power where you can then yes. affect terrible policy that's going to cause lots of pain and suffering that you go home and gloat about and like Voldemort collect trophies that you turn into and work crisis. Yeah, and experience glee over or get off on and all that stuff. And and that what you saw in her face, I absolutely agree. It was something akin to duping delight. She was delighted to share that this is what they're doing. Um, Let me ask you guys anyway, a question. The, Do you the, think... The, but the oh, thing about normies sorry, is that mm -hmm. just just... 
I, I forget. I'll, I'll come back to a second. You go ahead. It was, an, no, I mean, it was so I get why people can't see the psychopathy in somebody like Jen Psaki or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how you can't see it in Leanna Wynn. It's like, how on earth is some, are people's psychopath detector so broken? Like every all her mannerisms are like weird. It's like it's like the like the next generation Japanese robot rolled out and it's like still got some glitches. It's like it's clear that something her inflection is, is very weird. She's there's like an uncanny valley weird. between yeah, yeah. She's super weird. And like again, the weird, like inappropriate smiling about mm -hmm. this totalitarian nonsense she's saying. That's the absolute glee of applying power. But your question, Carter. I, I, my, my question is, do you think that, cause I've, I've been thinking about this. I think that they get off on, um, doing it out in the open. So if you look at, um, if you look at the great reset stuff in the world economic forum, for example, it's not a conspiracy theory. There's a website and a book and it's, it's not a conspiracy theory because it's out in the open. There's no it is secrecy. An open conspiracy. <laughs> right, right. Right. And I think. And, and I think maybe when you look at Saki or you look at some of these people, I get the sense that there's a part of them, if you're talking about that, you know, when you said that the psychopath goes home and, and gloats about it, right? I think there's a part of them that, that wants to publicly announce what oh, they're yeah. doing if, oh, you, know, they if always, you see it and they, they, and they get home that. and they're like, I told them I was going to do it and I did it. Like I got away with not yes. even lying i got away with showing my colors and still doing it does that make sense yes it does make yeah. sense that's it, it is it's a thing it's a thing it's it's totally a thing this because is they're why so murders... clever they're smarter than everybody else right like they will insert themselves in crime scenes and investigations because they want to be close to i just reread edgar Allan poe's the black cat and he writes he writes psychopathy very well and that story, if you haven't read it in a while, I mean, he gets away with the murder of his wife and he talks about how he enjoyed it and he didn't feel really bad about it the next day. Although he tries to make, he start all of his stories, he starts off, I'm not insane, guys. <laughs> like, but then this <laughs> happened and I had to kill my wife. And then he gets away with it. The detectives come to his house. They, he even takes them down in the basement where he bare, entombed her. And he, and, and then he says they were leaving. He was getting away with it and something, he just got so gleeful. He couldn't stop himself. He's like, isn't this, isn't it, uh, the architecture down here great and starts tapping on the wall where she's buried. I'm laughing because it's so absurd, but that's what they're doing. They enjoy it. They like it being out in the open. And of course he gets caught in that story because he's, he can't resist bragging about it. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, what else do they have? Yeah, it's like, I'm doing this to you. I know that I'm doing it and I'm getting away with it out in the open. And if you talk about it with like the World Economic Forum stuff, if you talk about it, I, I find this to be kind of fascinating because they've put it all out there. It almost backfires in a way, even though it's 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 the, the fact that it's all out in the open makes people think, well, it can't be happening. Yeah, there's a website about the Great Reset. So obviously it's not nefarious. Yeah, they would be hiding if it, it was bad. Is that your? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the idea. I mean, that's yeah. there is actually a book called The Open Conspiracy that explains exactly this. Um, really? Yeah. yeah, it's from like the '40s or something. <laughs> Basically, tells the whole story of where we are. You guys are giving me a little bit of um, hope, actually, which is it might sound weird, but let me explain. It's um, at the bottom of Pandora's box is hope. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last year. I 
I mean, I already kind of accept it. I, I have a much more, uh, I'll say, fatalistic view of the United States in its current form, not a fatalistic view of parts of the U.S. and humanity and like our, our ability to kind of carry on in some form to have some sort of some liberty. But um, I already had that a little bit of pessimism. But I always always thought, okay, maybe there's a bunch of people who will resist authority and and if they tried to do something authoritarian people would would stand up and resist and the compliance with the mask mandates and the and the lockdowns really changed my view of mainstream america and i was like oh you know what they're just going to get on the box car like they're just going to they're going to be told to get on the box car and they're going to get on the box car if what you're saying is there's a lot of people reacting to this particular thing uh in in a in a defiant way that actually gives me more hope than I had previously for, you know, maybe they're willing to do the mask thing, they're willing to close their business, but this is a step too far. Are you, is your argument that it seems like there's more people now who are pushing back than there were in mid 2020? I think there are way more people. I think it actually, okay. in the very beginning, when we knew very little about COVID, it actually seemed slightly reasonable. Okay, I just have to wear this mask, it might help. I don't know. Like, it's not that big of a imposition on me. And then it was like, you know, let's all like 15 days to slow. Okay. Let's just like be careful. And I get it. And, but now it's like, we're a year and a half into this and it's like, it's clearly not working and they're just being weirdos. And so way more people, it's like the red pill only goes in one direction here. And the, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of whether or not people are willing to stand up and speak up. The other thing that I've run into to give you some more white pills is um, the number of people last summer where I would get these messages and they're like, I can't speak up because I don't want to lose my job. And now the majority of the messages I get are like, come hell or high water, I'm resisting this. If I lose my job, it wasn't worth having. And it's like, no shit. That's what I told you last summer. Like, if you don't, like your job isn't going to be your job anymore. It's going to be this like horrific thing you don't want to participate in real fast. Like if you don't, like if you, it's a Jordan Peterson's thing, you know, there's consequences to standing up and there's consequences to doing nothing. They both have consequences. You know, he's got that whole thing that he does and he gets, he's right. Though. Can you do the rest of the show in that voice though? Cause that I actually kind of could. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I practice. It, yeah. That's how I actually got to being able to do a relatively okay. Jordan Peterson impression was by, by going through the Kermit, the frog rainbow song. <laughs> in mimicking the Kermit voice while he sings and somehow it clicked. Uh, I think those people that are waking up, I think I, I suspect that you're right, that there are more people seeing this now. And I think a lot of those people are grieving because well, they need to. Yeah. It's a kind of a death of you have an idea of what you thought the world was. Or this is what my wife what said you, actually a couple yeah. weeks ago. She said she's grieving that she thought the world in her life was going to go a particular way. And now she yes. realizes we have to play on hard mode for a little while yes. and it's going to be different. And so she had and, like her vision of the future and now she has to have a different vision of the future. Yes. It's a bit like a, uh, I would say for anybody, because people reach out to me and I, and our community who are, look, you're going to, I was crying yesterday and this morning, Carter can tell you. <laughs> it's like, like weirdly, my body just needed to release all this stuff. And you'll go through that and you're going to go, like when someone dies, you go through all those cycles of grief, they call it. Mm -hmm. But we this have to get through those to acceptance. Why? What do axes do? <laughs> well, see, maybe it's, 
something to do with a gender fact, but rather than crying, I grab my axes and go outside and swing them like a thousand times. Every time I start to feel that way, it's real therapeutic to picture swinging an ax into people. Um, (laughs) I, you know what I picture? I I agree with you. I agree with you. We have a lot of knitters in the, (laughs) you could also do crochet. (laughs) Yeah, you can see this is like all those black bicycle helmets and skateboard helmets. And I'm just like, that's not going to stop this fucking ax. Yeah. Swing it again, swing it again, swing it again, swing it again, swing it again. I'm having a good time, and man, I'm getting in shape. My abs show again. What's up? <laughs> Exercise is actually very cathartic, I'll say that. And uh, I, I agree with what yeah. Jack Murphy was saying about that. Um, but yeah, so people are going through this these stages, and I just think it's fine. You're going to go through them. You'll cycle back through through some of them more than than others. If it's, if you, you really are having this awakening for the first time, I'm going through it. And I already knew the world wasn't what I used to, you've already been through this, but I'm still feeling like I'm grieving something because this line was a different kind of line that they crossed, but we have to get to that acceptance stage because you have to, we have to get to that rebirth place. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, get through mm-hmm. your grief and then get to acceptance. It's weird. Are you like, are all of you feeling that? Cause Carrie and I were having a different experience. I'm not <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I went through, I've, I've acceptance happened a while ago. Like this was, no, yeah, inevitable but, result. I knew damn well we were going to do this. I won't even be surprised when the box cars come out. Like I'll be joyed if they, I'll be like over the moon if the box cars don't come out. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, so no, I, I've, I, I, my acceptance happened, um, probably over the winter, like my full acceptance. Once mm. the election went the way the election went, I was like, okay. And what's crazy is I actually had a guy I sat down with in October who predicted down to which states were going to be upside down and weird exactly what was going to happen in the election. He was like, you just watch. And he started just rattling off states. Every one of them will stop counting the votes in the middle of the night. All this weird stuff is going to come up around it. Told me this in October. Actually, it might have been the last weekend of September, well before the election. And I was like, uh putting a lot out there, man. That's a lot on the table. And I'm watching the election thing, November 6th or 4th or whatever it was. And I'm 4th, I guess. I'm watching that that night and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay, now I know what paradigm we're in. And um, who on earth could predict that? Like, yeah. really? Exactly which states there was going to be yeah. weird stuff go on? I think he missed one. Otherwise knew exactly which ones they would be. It's not hard. They're crucial swing states. Ohio was, he put Ohio in there instead of Arizona or something like that. Yeah. What about you, Al? Are you always, I don't know as much about your background. Are you, did you have some kind of awakening to the way the world is really versus what you thought it was or? Yeah, I I definitely did. I, um, so I grew up in Alabama, lived here for most of my life. I've also lived in like Illinois and California for a little bit, um, in Florida for a bit. And uh, I went to Auburn, which is an SEC school, and I I went into college at, in 2008. And even though, like, I was raised by a fairly conservative family, but nothing, you know, nothing crazy, just like your average conservative Alabama family, um, I went to college and got, like, super indoctrinated and went, like, you know, f- just full tilt 
SJW. I have all these archive posts of mine from Facebook where I'm talking about fascism yes. and, 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 you know, <laughs> feminism and like celebrating AOC and like Pramila Jayapal getting, you know, elected. And, uh, oh, no, I know. It's bad. <laughs> and I would like to think that as a human being that I'm, I'm intelligent and capable of seeing things for what they are and seeing through the, you know, bullshit. But for really about eight years of my life, I, I didn't at all. And I did have my kind of aha red pill moment, so to speak, which was just kind of the beginning of it. Cause it, you know, it's a process, but, yeah. um, was Puerto Rico. And I have an old Facebook post of mine from 2017, uh, in September where I'm, I, I, Post on Facebook. Our game show host president is talking about football players because Trump was tweeting about Colin Kaepernick. And of course, I wanted to defend Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Our game show host president is tweeting about football players while Puerto Rico lies in tatters. And, you know, I had all my friends were liking it, making all these like snarky comments mm -hmm. underneath. And then later on, uh, I'm, someone managed to get in front of my face that they found all of those runways and warehouses full of supplies that they had either mismanaged and didn't get to people or had willfully withheld from people still kind of never really got full disclosure on that but um and that was enough for me to kind of go well well maybe orange man isn't that bad <laughs> uh -oh. and all of my <laughs> friends on, on on facebook were like no trump's literally hitler so like it doesn't matter and um that that in in itself was it certainly wasn't like i went overnight to like Right. Maybe I'm not a leftist. I don't know. But it, it was enough for I started to go and try to find out what exactly was said or what was what exactly was written mm -hmm. rather than hearing, you know, from a person believing what a person said. Uh, honestly, at the time, John Oliver was one of like my main sources of news. So there was that uh, I was just woefully ill-informed and I was very defensive over yeah. it because I didn't actually know what the hell I was talking about. And that was a, a tough pill to swallow. I used to make fun of my family members because I voted for Hillary. I cried when Trump won the whole thing. And I was like posting all these things on Facebook about how people who had college degrees voted for Hillary and people who didn't vote for Trump. And I, like I, I was that person. Um, so yeah, I definitely have had an awakening and as far as my actual background, I'll try to wrap it up because I don't want to sit here and just talk about myself. But the whole social media thing, the the the, the site, everything has kind of happened on a happy accident. Last uh, March 9th, I used to be a data analyst, a financial data analyst for a government contractor. And I was putting together COVID data because at the time there was no dashboard. You couldn't just go onto some site and see like where we're at. And it took me a very long time to compile it. And I had like 200 followers on Twitter. I was like, well, I might as well just post it just in case any of the people that do follow me want to see it. And so I put together this thread that went insanely viral, like like 20,000 retweets and like, like wild. And it's just like me in my house in Alabama going like, what the hell just happened? Because I, I gained a small platform overnight. Donald Trump Jr. followed me and like, like all this random stuff. And again, it's just like me in my house. Um, and, and that was even, even at the start of COVID, I feel like I thought I knew about the world, but it just kind of kept unraveling. And when mm -hmm. I, a family member died a couple weekends ago, I mean, it is what it is, um, but we all were all at the funeral and my family's asking me, you know, what have you been up to lately? And I feel like on the one hand, I don't have a lot to say to them. I'm like, well, not, not much changed, but like fundamentally on like a 
psychological and mental level and emotional level like everything has changed but like i don't know i just went to the grocery store and wrote an article <laughs> like other than that like it's I feel, I feel so different but there's not a lot to like report other than you know trying to get into like yeah. a deep conversation with family members i don't want to do want to do that with so i don't know it's been a process but i like i don't know i think it's, it's well thank, for thank you yeah i had a similar story and i think both I think James knows it too. So I, I see that for me though, is evidence that there are people who will, despite what you said earlier, James, about the, and I completely agree, the the people who you said dig in deeper because they can't eat that crow pie or whatever. There are people who do it. I was in that, I was in social justice for 20 years. Coming out of it was like a death, also like a death because it's a death, the way you look at the world and also your idea of yourself yeah, and who you are and your identity and, and that and to to realize that you've been a willing a participant in something that you now view to be evil. And so people do come out of it. I guess maybe it's dependent upon um I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's dependent upon. Well, I mean, the worse <laughs> things get, I think the more impetus people have to come I mean, my guess is is like or At, do they double down, like James was saying, the worst? Well, well I think they double down with information, but with suffering, they might question yeah, things. Like, you hit I, a rock bottom, personally, right? So Yeah. Like Sorry, I said a few minutes ago, the red pill goes one direction. Um, more and more people are red pilling than blue pilling or whatever at this point. Uh, I, I see it everywhere. These people who, who are telling me that they're lifelong Democrats and, they, and then they whisper, but I believe every word you say. Like, those people, it's coming. And so what the... the the thing is, is like the the people who are complete. There, there are people who I don't know. You get shaken loose. You have to have a thing that shakes you loose. Like um, I was talking to a guy recently, um, and he just totally doesn't connect that there's like this huge, huge component to this that's going on very willfully, and you never know what's going to make it connect and all of a sudden you know i said something he's like well that sounds kind of conspiratorial and then the conversation went on i was like it doesn't require conspiracy it's just crony capitalism can actually explain that we don't even have to get into conspiracy but even if there is a conspiracy or whatever and then blah 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 the next thing you know we're like 15 minutes down the conversation just randomly going in different directions like we tend to do and he was like you know what's really weird and i was like no he was at first was like why are they just letting this these cities get destroyed these cities why are they letting them get destroyed and he lives in a blue city and he was like why are they just letting them get destroyed and i was like because they're going to hollow out the 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 housing markets and then they're going to drive people out of the cities blackrock's going to come in and buy all the properties and then when they're going to clean it up in a few years and when you move back there won't be any houses to buy for under five million dollars and you're just going to have to rent and you will own nothing and you'll be happy and he was like shit you know what happened like two days ago, I was like, what? He said, this guy called me and he offered to buy my house just out of the blue. I was like, really? And I was like, just by any chance, did he offer you 20% more than it's worth? He was like, tw he, the guy's exact words were 20% more than it's what was worth in March 2020. I was like, how about that? And he's like, holy shit, there is a conspiracy. And it's like all of us, it's like, you never know. There's something that's going to connect with somebody that connects it to their real life. And all of a sudden they'll break loose. This is yeah. still the case. But if you don't hit that right thing, they're going to double down and double down and double down. And, the, and the, 
for me, like the biggest thing that I just keep saying to people, because it's true for me, and I bet you every single one of us, except for Carter, who has just been expecting box cars since he came out of the womb. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I did have an awakening. It was just 20 something years ago. I, I did have an... Every one of us will, will, will relate to this idea. <laughs> I think I lost my train of thought completely with my awesome Sorry. joke. It, no, it happens every time I make an awesome joke. Um, it'll come back in a few minutes. But you're the, saying the, that everybody has one thing. If it connect, if you can connect well, it, it to them personally, it's not always the same thing for each. Person. No, no. I was saying what I say to everybody all the time, which is that your cognitive dissonance goes down dramatically when you stop trying to make sense of the world. Yes. In mm. the paradigm that's being fed to you by the narrative. Like once you're just like, maybe the narrative is false. Like the the reduction in cognitive dissonance is insane. This is when, when we used to do the atheist activism. It was like a big thing to just go around and ask people to like, you remember there was that pastor and he's a total SJW like lunatic in California, um, Ryan Bell or something like that. And it was like, just why don't you just live like you're an atheist for a few months and see what, just live like there's no God and see if you come back to stay, you know, if you keep your faith or if it just dissolves out from under you. And this was like a thing that was going on. And then this guy, Ryan Bell, does his blog for like a year where he's in a, a year without God or something. And he turns into this atheist and the whole thing. He's a pastor. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, super progressive pastor, by the way. He's a total, he's he's one of the so-called usual suspects now. Um, just <laughs> total, I don't know where he is. I haven't heard from him in over a year, but um, it's the same thing though, right? It's like, what what do you think just just entertain for a few hours later today maybe the whole narrative is false what does the world look like to you and if somebody connects to that cognitive dissonance going down that it's an easier explanation for the world then i i mean i think the most powerful law in human behavior is what we might call the law of convenience i think it's actually as dumb as this sounds i think there is a stronger law which is the law of attraction that's a the name of a real neuroscientific law by the way it's not the secret the law of it the law of attraction is literally that well, organisms are attracted the... to that which is beneficial to, that seems beneficial to them and they're repelled against that which seems harmful to them that's it's the simplest law but past that because life the law couldn't of exist without such a evolutionary pressure yeah correct and so the next most the next probably most powerful law is the law of convenience which is that which is more convenient will win which is why stuff like digital payment is going to win no matter what. And even though we don't want digital wallets and digital IDs and everything else, it's just too damn convenient. I don't know if you've ever been to a country that forces you to pay by scanning your phone, but you're like, wow, that was easy. Yeah. And once China, you have China, that, by the way, they've been doing that, that for a while. It's great. <laughs> that would be the one that I've been to. And yeah, yeah so who knows what they, they, I mean, they scan your freaking eyes and your take all your fingerprints to enter the country. Mm -hmm. So who knows what they know about people? Um, Yet they're not forcing the vaccine. Everything. Uh, well, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all true. kinds of... Well, they've already got a social credit system. They don't need to force the vaccine. Yeah. Ding! Right. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vaccine well, I, is the gateway drug. The vaccine can I, can is I, virtually irrelevant. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Except I'm going to kill a bunch of people in five years, probably. Whoops. Said that out loud. No, don't say that. We'll get banned so from this channel. what you're saying um, for anybody... James, whatever James it, said is not approved by the WHO. <laughs> That's hard to <laughs> or No, I don't actually know if that's true or not. That was a joke, sort of. It was I a know. joke. It's easy. Sort of. I'm going to say something, though. As the guy who, from, from the womb, has been, as you've said, uh, worried about the boxcars. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think it's a good time, and this is my fear and actually. That's why you with played with train sets as a child. Right. This is my fear, though, about a lot of people waking up late. Um, and I, I think fundamentally, and and James, you know this because you've studied a lot of really bad philosophy. I mean, really oh, yeah, bad. Yeah, just wait till my next two podcast episodes. Okay. Okay. I think we have. I think the one of the one of the problems, and I think pragmatism has actually uh, the prevalence of pragmatic thinking has enabled this in some way. One of the problems is that we have been trained to think that ideas don't matter as much, um, and that that principles are kind of this idealistic thing. And of course, bad principles do result in horrible stuff when you try try to implement them. But we we have this bias against ideas as mattering and you know the, the the reason that i i didn't predict exactly this but a lot of people that aren't just me have been saying this is the direction the country's moving this is how it will go this is where we're like this is where we're headed these principles lead to these results and a lot of the responses are well you're over you're, you're being overblown like you're overblowing this like it's not just it's just one compromise of this principle it's just a little bit of not freedom we're just giving them a little bit of power for this case we just need well 9 11 happened we just need the patriot act to go get the bad guys like all that stuff like those principles and ideas matter they just don't matter immediately they matter in, a, in the long run and what i'd like what i'm afraid of is people waking up and saying we need to go back to the 90s and it's like no mm -hmm. No, the principle, the, the foundations for where we are were laid, actually before the 90s, as you know, they were laid a long time ago. We need to we need to really identify, and I think this is something you've been trying to do, what are the principles that are that make Western civilization valuable and work and moral and superior? Like what are those, what's the essence of those principles and how do we flesh them out and support them and really have decent arguments against the principles that threaten them well and that sounds like a boring conversation that. no it's an exciting one that's i've been thinking about that a lot actually and it's going to be the last chapter or a lot of the last chapter of the new book i'm almost done with um but and we'll talk about it i'm not gonna like withhold i'm not gonna embargo my information um <laughs> but i will point out that you know you're worried about people waking up too late but there's a problem with waking up too early too which is that people basically just think you're insane or yes. oh that's been true whatever. for alex i mean look at a lot of people have said yeah absolutely so you're just insane. a lot of people yeah. it's very easy to trot out alex jones who's racking up an awful lot of w's this year um mm -hmm. but thomas soul is my favorite example thomas soul saw through this mm. stuff very very clearly 30 plus years ago he's very articulate it turns out he's black which in the current uh social currency world means something um he but saw not politically. He, he was the 30 something years ago equivalent of an SJW before he woke up. He was a Marxist. And, mm -hmm. you know, what changed your mind? He has that very famous interview and he goes, well, facts, you know, and he's very like <laughs> simple enough. And and so he uh, he though, I mean, he cut through all of this mm -hmm. 30 years ago and people just ignored it. Like, so there's a big problem with waking up too early, too, which is that nobody listens to you. And by the time you're proven, you're vindicated, you're proven right, you're just old hat. So yep. timing is everything. Now, what are these values? I mean, I think that you can actually answer that it's a very trendy buzzword that attaches to what's going on. But people don't realize, I don't think, that the depth to which it attaches. What makes America work is decentralization. It always has been. 
Mm. Division of powers is decentralization. Mm. Governance with the consent of the governed is decentralization, the decentralization of political power in both cases. Um, the separation of church and state is decentralization. So all of a sudden it's the separation of ideology and state. We just have, they just found a loophole to let ideology back into the state. So you've decentralized ideology, you've decentralized political power. Capitalism decentralizes property. The king doesn't own everything or the Lord doesn't own everything and you work in, in, in his, his service. You own your own stuff. And if you want to take your stuff and turn it into a pile of money by liquidating it and then try to take that pile of money and turn that into a bigger pile of money by using your capital in, in that sense, that's called capitalism, baby, and you are more than welcome to. And if you fail, well, that was on you too. And so the decentralization of property is central to what's going on with capitalism. Uh, science is the decentralization of authority on truth. Mm. And so I take it to the mathematical limit and I'm totally on board with you. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to go all the way to to atomized points. Um, no, but the point is individualism that, is the is the limit. Individualism, the yeah, is the ultimately yes. With with yeah. with with yeah, that's right. So colorblind equality, which was something promised in 1776, and people were arguing for it a little earlier than that, and f came to fruition in we'll say 1964, uh, legally speaking that's a decentralization as well. You no longer are able to centralize power and identity categories the way that you could before, at least not legally and institutionally, and not to get away with it for very long if you try. To the point now where they've actually flipped that over and made it to where they've like they've gone plaid or whatever, they've gone all the way through so that they've changed disparate impact into a new basis for identity politics for coming back into the groupishness. And um, so, you know, what's made America work all along is decentralization. So the Bitcoiners are all, you know, doing their little thing right now. They're very excited um, because that's decentralization of currency, which is something that is, has been very difficult to do without the technology that we are currently developing. And there's going to be this huge arms race between centralization and decentralization around things like crypto. And can AI beat, you know, the emergent function of human beings in, in, in that market? That's going to be one of the huge questions. And so the centralized powers are all trying to develop AI to whip everybody and have full AI based control like the matrix. and. They think this is definitely coming, et cetera. Whereas the decentralized people, I think, have the argument right. Um, I don't not making an argument one way or the other for Bitcoin or for any particular cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency in general. Um, but the concept is correct, is that when you decentralize power, you enable what I'm referring to as a common sensibility. People get put on equal playing fields by decentralization. Centralization creates a pedestal that's separate from the common ground. And that's the magic sauce of America and Americanism and always has been. And I think that this is what, I mean, this is control versus, or centralization and control versus decentralization and freedom, therefore becomes the axis of the new political fight. And um, it's a very interesting time, but I think that what are those principles? Well, first we're gonna have decentralization and then secondly, we've got to start answering the question of what do we do about the relationship between is and not, and which values are they that make this work, right? And so that becomes becomes a secondary question. Of course, I wrote an essay about what values I think guide the post-woke world if we get through this. And I said truth, 
beauty Truth. and I define beauty as excellence. Um, so truth, beauty, liberty, and responsibility, I defined as a single concept really and it merit. Is. Yep. Yep. So yeah. those are the, those, I mean, it was just a first step. If you want to add 12 more, that's fine. If you want, if you think that merit and excellence are the same thing and you want to consolidate them, that's okay too. I don't really care. I'm just throwing ideas out there and, you know, seeing what happens. But, um, the, you know, truth and, and excellence and, and responsibility seem to be pretty key ones that, you know, they're, they're basically like, woke kryptonite anywhere is like if you had like a rock of truth and you went near sgw they'd like melt and if you, if you <laughs> came at them with accountability or actual like real accountability add, like seriously I, though imagine i've got if you one had to a, add to your rock though truth beauty joy they joy, joy yeah joy they hate Joy's joy a good one yeah yeah i have a podcast i did that was be a rebel enjoy your life that's literally the title of it um but imagine like you had like the wonder woman like lasso of truth but it was actually the lasso of accountability and if it gets wrapped around your arm you're actually accountable for the crap you did wrong like you would literally <laughs> paralyze these people are allergic to accountability like nobody i've ever yes. seen in my entire life they are the least possible and so there's this guy i know that runs this company and he got rid of all the woke people in this company with one policy one simple change any little wokey that came in and was like, we need more whatever race, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, great, it's your job. And if you can't make it happen, you're fired. And they all quit. He, <laughs> made, it, he made it their responsibility to accomplish the change they wanted to see in the world and told them they're fired if they can't do it. And they all quit before they could get fired. I love that. <laughs> That's the only That's thing awesome. he did. He just said every single time one of these woke people came and complained, oh, we don't have enough, you know, whatever identity category. There's not enough trans people working here. All right. Well, you're right. The talent's out there. Go find it. And you've got four months. And if we don't have however many more, we're not compromising on quality. They've got to meet all of our standards. We're not making it easier to get in. And if you can't find them, you're fired. It's your responsibility. So enjoy your new job responsibility your job. Succeed. <laughs> if you succeed we'll pay you a bonus and we'll give you a raise etc because you clearly brought in more diverse talent to the company and the they withered literally every single woke person quit his company see Just, he I said a rule that. the rule was they couldn't they couldn't change the the you quality you can't level. change that's right and exactly. that rule will kill them it's it's uh have you ever talked to on on twitter she goes by um grace the culture warrior refugee mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She did the same thing with her nonprofit. She just, for a year, all the Wookiees just listened to their concerns, read all of their literature, but then set rules for how they were going to engage. And, and they actually had to support their arguments with evidence, which they couldn't do. So they all quit. Yeah. <laughs> I love the accountability thing. That is the best thing I've ever heard, James. Because there's, there's, there's no... That there's no um you know you're I'm sure you're familiar with the skin in the game was it uh, Taleb who wrote the skin yeah, in the game yeah 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 right Taleb it's that concept of like if you have no skin in the game this is when you get the moral hazard and that's right why I'm now afraid we have of self driving class cars with no skin in the game hmm? the, like I had this whole panic attack like two days ago like I literally I woke up in the middle of the night like sweating over self driving cars it's the stupidest thing I've ever said in my entire life in public <laughs> I freaked the hell out and you know why. You think, I don't know. You oh, did well, just do a Kermit impression, so it's well, okay, man. Yeah, well, why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Um, no, so it's like I wasn't worried about self-driving cars in the sense like, oh, yeah, self-driving cars, you know, they could just lock the doors and take you to the police station if you said the wrong thing on social media, which is totally true. Um, somebody could hack your car and drive you right uh -huh. off the edge. 
wow, wouldn't that be convenient if the CIA knew how to hack your self-driving car for you? Hmm. <clears throat> nope, it wasn't those thoughts. It was, wow, if you're not in your car, if you have the money to buy it, all you have to do, you could just like get a freaking remote control and just ram it into stuff. You could fill it with explosives and ram it into stuff. Oh, wow. Decentralized truck bombs. The guy doesn't have to kill himself. What an amazing concept. Mm -hmm. That's bad. And I just like went into this whole thing. Like, we, well, we don't want those. You could rig mm -hmm. that up now. Yeah. Well, you could. You know, um, you're bringing up something that Snowden yeah. talked about in his in his book, which is that um, we went the Internet went from this um, massive decentralized like a, a, a an ex a Cambrian explosion of decentralization. Right. Mm -hmm. We had you know, media, but also other companies and just people how people communicated. It went to this this beautifully open and decentralized thing. And it's actually it's gone backward and the Internet is actually much more centralized than we think about and oh, especially yeah. you know post post 911 and this stuff every just to be clear right every text you send every phone call you make every every website you've ever visited everything every time you touch your computer anything you interact with online or on a phone network that the the content may not be recorded always cuz that's a lot of content but who it was, when it was, where you were, all the metadata, all, all of that metadata, is yeah. all recorded permanently, permanently by the NSA. And they and they what they did because they wanted the centralization was they just redefined, they redefined a couple words. I think it was acquire and obtain. And they said, well, we're not allowed to acquire or obtain information. So the new definition is we've only acquired or obtained it once we query the database ten years later to look for it. But we can collect it all now. Mm -hmm. Um and the, the and like something like 80 some odd percent 80 to 90 percent of the the tech that runs the web is controlled by american companies or they designed by american companies like when you're talking software and everything else so the idea that we're the internet is still this decentralized thing is just false they have re-centralized the internet to a, a pretty severe degree um and if I was going to have a nightmare, it wouldn't be about self-driving cars. It would be about that. Are you saying, to, to go back to something you said earlier, James, are you saying you don't think that will happen with currency, that they're not going to win in centralizing? Oh, I think that they're going to have a really good bid at winning. I think that placing your hope in, if I say this out loud, I'm going to get 10,000 angry people sending me hate mail. Like you, you, you think with all the stuff that I do, I get a lot of hate mail. I actually only get a little bit of hate mail. I got some really funny hate mail the other day. I should have read it out loud, but um, it was hilarious. But uh, if I say what I'm about to say, I will get lots of hate mail. They can say crush Bitcoin. It. They can crush Bitcoin. I'm not saying yes. they will. I don't know if they'll succeed. They can. And it's not even hard. You, yeah. and, oh, you'll we'll use the other cryptos. No, you won't. They can crush crypto really easily. Yeah. If they get a social credit score, your crypto's toast. Well, look, I, I was a cryptographer for over a decade prior to the Bitcoin stuff. And I was I, you know, I was paying attention to ca uh, hash cash and, and precursors to Bitcoin. And when Bitcoin came out, a lot of people were like, oh, this will this is the ultimate thing. It'll be we'll be able to build an alternate financial system and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the thing that you forget about, guys, is just, I think earlier L just said or someone said maybe it was it was I don't know. Someone said Twitter's not real life not bitcoin's not real life either eventually you have to purchase something you have to buy a house or you have to buy a car 
Is what? I mean, like, all of our currency isn't really real anymore. No, but my point is, no matter what you do with with cryptocurrency, living, you can't eat bits. You have to buy things (laughs) with those bits. Like, you have to use them. And in the Mm -hmm. real world, there is a centralized group of people with guns who have power. That's right. That's right. They can ultimately do whatever they want when you move from one domain to another, even if they can't shut down the servers, which they also probably could because they control so much of the infrastructure. But even if you had your own satellite network supported crypto thing and it was and it was perfectly evasive and they couldn't shoot missiles at it or find it, when you went to use it, men with guns could be there. <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and they I don't know that they can stop. So this is where the Bitcoiners get pissed at me. Um, they're like, you can't stop the blockchain or whatever. And I'm like, they don't have to. They only have to destroy it as a repository of value. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. They can make it yes. so costly to participate in that shadow economy that virtually no normal person will do it, at which point it becomes very not valuable. And it's so that convenience you, thing again. Correct. If you make it difficult, I mean, it would be so easy to get everybody off of Bitcoin right now. If I were like Klaus Schwab, it would be so easy. It's like, if I can think of this, it can't be that bad. All you have to do to destroy Bitcoin is a repository of value. Are you listening, Klaus? I'm giving you your plans. We can have a food shortage of Bitcoin. It's very simple. You tell everybody that you're going to find them ridiculous amounts of real money, fiat money, real real fiat money, if they hold or use Bitcoin whatsoever and they're found out doing so, but if they just give you, if they just sell all their Bitcoin to the central agency right now, they'll give you a 25% or a 10% bonus. You get you you have $100 worth of Bitcoin, we'll give you $110 for it. And what you're going to get is 97% buyout immediately. It's like gun buybacks. We'll right. buy your it, gun it, back. It, he doesn't want to do that. Because the flip side of Bitcoin is, although it's decentralized, the the way the blockchain works is actually a really powerful weapon if that if the centralization is destroyed and controlled by a central authority or the decentralization. So if the if, right, right. if a central authority authority can use it, which they can, mm-hmm. um, it's it's got a perfectly. I mean, imagine being able to trace a dollar all the way from when it was printed to when you destroyed it after twenty years of use. Um, it's if I buy a stick of gum from you, they know, and then you turn around and what what do you use that dollar for? You pay carry something, right? It, like that's a that's an amazing byproduct of the design, the inherent design of most cryptocurrencies. Some doesn't, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they don't. Klaus Schaub doesn't want to destroy Bitcoin. He wants to use it to control. That's exactly, why he's not doing what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'll try to make their own. Is what they're going to try to do. Possibly, yeah. They'll want to centralize maybe destroy Bitcoin. Yeah. And then they'll d- try to destroy the others re- as repositories of value. And so mm-hmm. that all the value lands in the Klaus coin or whatever. And that will have a little white cat Klaus on coin. it. <laughs> well, if you know what China did, right? China China supported, actively supported a Bitcoin fork. Um, and I think, I think on the forked chain, I think they own over 50% of the servers. So like they effectively got control by forcing a fork and forcing their internal companies building the miners to use the forked uh, Bitcoin. And I think it is, I think, I think that's the status of Bitcoin cash right now. I'm not hundred percent sure. So 
Uh, All I know is somebody bought me some Bitcoin. Me. I never had any Bitcoin. Somebody bought me some Bitcoin. So I have a little bit of Bitcoin. And um, I think like the week after I got it, it like plummeted in value and has never properly recovered. And so it was my fault. You contaminated it. Um, I told people it's like I know that right now, for example, that Newsom is going to win because I spoke up. It's just like how I voted for Trump. And then we have this fucking geriatric. He's not a potato. I don't know what he is. Um, he doesn't either. Yeah, well, that's what somebody said. <laughs> Do you think Biden knows? Blah, blah, blah. I don't think Biden knows what he had for breakfast. Like, come on. Actually, that was my wife's joke. And, and she was super happy that I used it on Twitter. <laughs> my joke about him is that they... I think a lot of politicians are puppets. He's not very different. It's just that he has a lot more puppet holes. So there's like more people controlling him. <laughs> That's such a gross oh, concept. God. I Every time you say puppet holes, like, it's like I get the willies. But what is it? I like trypophobia or whatever? The, yes, with that, the fear. fear of the small holes. It's did disgusting. You know, if you go look on those images. Uh. Did, did you know that the researcher, the neuroscientist who discovered that particular phobia actually has written a multitude of papers criticizing the crap out of our, our, our grievance studies papers. And no. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Jeffrey Cole is his name. And I only know his name because he went after her. He wrote academic papers saying that fat bodybuilding is not intrinsically ridiculous. <laughs> and he used his, he used the, his, his phobia of holes. He was like, people think this is ridiculous, but it's true. It is like evidence. And then he actually got so mad at us when we were, when we argued back against him that he went and he did a survey and he asked 400 college students if fat bodybuilding is ridiculous or 400 people. Uh. Maybe they weren't just college students. If fat bodybuilding is inherently ridiculous and more people said no than yes. And so he said, see, there's no basis by which you can determine. He went to ridiculous. Dairy Queen and proved you wrong. Yep. By interviewing random customers. I, I think here's what you should do. You should take your grievance studies papers and punch holes in them and send them to him. Lots of little present. small holes. Yeah, lots that's of little a, holes. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> so I don't want to keep you guys too long. I want to kind of close out with uh, where do you see things heading? And if you have any more white pills to drop, please drop them. <laughs> Let's Malice people... has the best white pill. Every time you think we're going to lose, you just take a picture of like that Antifa teacher or that weird like sickly purple haired person that was a teacher or whatever that was on the what do you call it the um libs of tiktok or whatever and then you mm -hmm. say being blackpilled means you believe these people can win and there's this is a serious <laughs> white pill no this thing is though i mean this is where, where helen is very i think um a bit naive to how bad things can actually be but she's always said that it's going to to destroy itself in a puff of its own contradictions. I think that's the way she likes to phrase it. This thing isn't in this, the, this new thing they're trying to build is not internally consistent or stable. It, the whole, if we, if we look at the woke stuff, I mean, it eats its own leg. So that's a, it's not very collaborative in and of itself. Uh, so they're going to start jockeying for power and cutting each other off at the knees, et cetera. If we go to the Klaus Schwab stuff, like his whole goal is sustainability, but sustainability, this, this is, do you know how much management that takes? Like, it's just not even going to happen. Um, you know, so the question isn't, will it fall apart? The question is, how long is the tyranny before it falls apart? 
and how much falls with it. And the Soviet Union took down a lot and lasted a long time, so it could be bad. But um, yeah, even like even China is internally much more unstable than people realize that it is because of its its command economy. And uh, so where is it heading in the short term, though? These idiots have crossed Rubicon. They have only one option, which is to keep pushing, keep making it worse, keep boiling down into drilling down into it and keep freaking more and more people out. And then I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. I brought up the Khmer Rouge. Maybe people just yell enough. Biden gets put into a resident facility and 25th Amendment and then Kamala actually doesn't have any chops and gets scared and decides to step down before the tortures and pitchforks come out. I don't know. Maybe the tortures and pitchforks do come out and we go through a something of a tribulation. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not I'm not playing like Megan McCain tweeted at me yesterday and was like, the midterms are coming. And I was like, no, I'm not putting my hope there. Uh yeah. P.S. I believe our institutions have failed, so let's not trust those. Yeah. Um, so, and then, although on the other side, you know, the 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 potential for a genuine renaissance right now is super high. Like, the artists are bucking once they mm. get something put on put around them to start creating the art that's going to walk us out of this. Remember, the Enlightenment followed the Renaissance, right? It was art first. And then it was a renaissance. And then you have the idiot Rousseau decides, oh, we need to do more of this romantic bullcrap. And then, you know, French Revolution and then Hegel and then Marx. And then we're doing literally him again. And so it's like, whoops, this bad idea came up again. So but but a new renaissance is totally possible. And thus an enlightenment that, you know, deals with the challenges of our time. If I don't know if you've read Woke Inc. I, I don't know that Vivek knows everything in the world about all of this, but he has some very simple potential solutions to a lot of the big structural problems. Um, and if we can regain space of political capital by one, hopefully legal means or another, there are actual workable solutions to many of the big structural problems that enable the problems that we're facing right now. There are also people, if you don't know, rebuilding the internet from the ground up. Long yeah. ago, Carter would probably know about this. I don't know the details. We had to choose between something like two different internet protocols or something like this. And, and we chose one. It turns out we chose the wrong one. And then there's a different one that if we would have chosen it, it's much harder to control, et cetera. And people are literally trying to rebuild the internet from the ground up. And that's where you might see the new kind of digital economy that awakens that enables the Renaissance for artists to flourish, et cetera, to move the people to push in the, the direction of a positive rebirth, as, as Carrie phrased it earlier. So I say, I told you, the thing at the bottom of Pandora's box is hope. Um, Pandora's box is open. All kinds of crazy stuff is going on. Calamities are, are, are all around, and hope is the last object in the box. So it, like, also, like I told Joe Rogan, he's like, are you optimistic about this? And I was like, I don't have time to not be optimistic. The only thing, like psychologically, it makes no sense to be anything but optimistic because otherwise you're just losing. Remember, these people want to demoralize you and make you lose. So you don't get demoralized. You're like, no, we're going to win, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I was thinking that earlier too. It's like somebody told me a long time ago there are two kinds of people, murder people and suicide people. And I was like, you can't be a suicide person because every suicide of sane normal people because of the stress of this is a win for the psychopaths who want you to do that. So you, yeah. well, 
what that leaves, I'll leave that to you to 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 do the, the dichotomy there. But the hard math there, yep. Yeah, but uh, what you what it what, what it means for me though is like we're gonna stay optimistic. We're gonna stay focused. We're gonna keep trying to uh, find ways to push back. When if we can't push back, we're gonna put sand in the gears. We're gonna make this is a Solzhenitsyn thing from the Gulag Archipelago, and I, I can't find it again. I swear I read it. Maybe I made it up, but he talked about how if they would have just made this, what is it? Was it the Stasi? Who the hell was it in the SS? Who who were they in in Russia? The secret police. The Stasi anyway, were the were the West. The Germans. East Germans. The, East Germans. The, yeah. Who was it in Russia? Just was it just the KGB? The Maybe they will. Stukachi were the ones who were turning Stukachi, their friends and you. family in. Well, anyway, he said whenever the officers showed up, if they would have had to pay a price every time they walked in the door, yeah, you're going to get shot, right? Yeah. But you're going to get dragged off to the gulag if you don't. So he's like you know, have your machete or your axe or whatever and take off their arms so that they know that every time they go out to round somebody up, they're going to lose somebody. Make them pay a price. Now, I'm not saying we should chop anybody's arms off because nobody's showing up at your house with a syringe yet. I'm saying instead that every time they try to make one of these political moves that they should have to pay a price for it. Every single time they make one of these political moves, they should have to pay a price for it. And then they start thinking twice about making more political moves. I'll sue them. Are you? What's your words. white pill message? What's your? Do you have a white pill message of hope at the bottom of Pandora's box for us? I don't believe. I mean, I don't really believe in hope necessarily. I definitely do have a good. Uh, I, I have a good feeling about how things are going to turn out. I know that a lot of the people who are kind of here at the um, being pushed to their limits are um, a lot more hardy and a lot more resilient than they want to give us credit for. And I will say that. Um, Yes, I did just get suspended on Twitter. I saw Disco in the, in the chat. I got suspended on Twitter again, so stay tuned. I'll come up with another one. But if you want to find me in the meantime, trying to come up with actionable things and uh, ways to kind of uh, move forward through this in, in ways that we're not dependent on the government. I'm not looking to some elected official to handle things. We're not going to vote our way out of this. The best way that we can do this is by saying we don't actually need you and you need us. And so um, if you would like to follow me, if you don't already, uh, for right now, you can find me on uh, Gab. It's gab.com slash know, or Telegram. It's t.me slash know, or you can go to sumbitchtoldme.com and you can find all my links. But we'll, you know, I, I believe in, uh, you know, in, independent and uh, individual actions over, you know, trusting uh, our, uh, what am I trying to say? Our, like our elected officials and our, our institutions, the they are fundamentally just destroyed from within and they've been that way for a while but wherever everyone's kind of starting to see it now but i actually do have a good feeling about it because again like i said we're a lot more resilient than they want to give us credit for so uh come you're right me and, and we'll figure it out together you're right I, in you're, that we don't need them they need us and yeah no big, absolutely that's something to remember that's, yeah we're playing chicken right now and they want to see who blinks first and that's exactly right like that's there all day <laughs> Yeah. I would say I, I, to go out on a song, if we could play a song without being banned off of this channel. We can't play without being banned. We're not playing we it, but sing. go look go up ahead. the lyrics to Hank Williams Jr. A Country Boy Can't Survive. It's the spirit we need right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one that was on literally down the street from my house. There's this kind of like shambly shack and they had literally a Confederate flag with some guy's face on it. And I got close enough and it was Hank Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. or Senior? No, it was Senior. It was Senior. And uh, I was like, oh, my God. Um, 
<laughs> they have that thing flying outside of their house for like years. It's like they never took it down. Tennessee, man. Yep. It's like it, for some people that I not to take this in a whole nother direction, but it just means survivalism. It just means being a rebel. I know for others, it does mean it, it's a racist symbol, but that's not what it yeah, those people weren't racist. I actually talked to them. I was like, yeah. who's that on your flag? You know, I got talking to them and they were like, that's exactly what their message is like. They can't tell us what to do. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, <laughs> good to yeah. meet you. <laughs> Excellent. No, they can't. Sir. Brush your yeah. teeth. <laughs> it says, because you Tooth. can't start us out yeah. and you can't make us run. Anyway, yeah. look it up. Cool. Don't sing Thank it, you guys. We'll get banned. We'll get banned. All right. Well, thank you uh, both for joining us today yeah. and giving us the, your time and the in your white pills and your positivity. It helped me. Yeah, we're the most positive people on the internet. <laughs> Elle and I are famous for our positivity. Yes, yes, you both are. That. All right, well, positive to the right people. You. Yes, thank you guys. Go follow Elle and and Conceptual James. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Have a good week. And what is it? Friday. Oh, yeah. Have a good weekend, everyone. Friday. We will see you on Monday. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and may be subject to federal entrapment. Research shows that wearing a mask significantly reduces the risk of becoming infected with independent thought. The next war will be nothing like Afghanistan. I promise. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.